There's something so special about a child's bond with her grandmother. That's always been true for Daisy Grubert and her grandma, Nancy Harvey. Yeah, you guys lived right next door to each other. We did, and I was over here. I was over here and with her more than I was at home. <laughs> On the day we met Daisy, she proudly wore a black and red shift dress that once belonged to her grandma. It fits her well now, but when Harvey wore it many years ago, Daisy was just a child. This was hers that she wore to the wedding that we went to in Texas, and so I thought I had it. It was one of the things I kept of hers, and so I decided to wear it today in memory of her. And my locket is also, um, it says, forever my angel, and it's the first picture me and her ever took, so. <laughs> what do you think you miss most about Grandma Nancy? Her smile and her laugh. Her smile lit up any room that she walked into, and I miss being able just to be with her, I guess, because um, I cherished all of that with her. You see, to Daisy, she was Grandma Nancy, but to so many others in Davidson County, North Carolina, Harvey would become known as the victim of a brutal, unsolved murder. She didn't deserve any of what happened to her. She was amazing. I will never forget the day that it happened and it's just been a roller coaster ride ever since. I'm Fox 8's Katie Nordine and this is Who Killed Grandma Nancy? Hey, right, let's go. To get to know Nancy Harvey, you have to go back decades. And who better to take us on that journey than one of the people who knew her best? You're Nancy's yeah, son. I am. So who best to talk about Nancy than her son? So who was Nancy? Tell me about your mom. So um, I guess my mom, it, she was in 1978. She had me as a high school student. Harvey spent the first several years of Jay's life in South Texas, balancing work and home plus a child all yeah. on her own. She just always was and consistently a selfless person. She never wanted to be the limelight. She, that was not who she was. She would prefer to, you know, let everybody else have the enjoyment and be the supporting cast in the background. It wasn't easy. Raising a child never is. But Jay remembers Harvey as a good mom, fair and patient. And she brought that with her to everything she did. She met my, what I would call my father in the mid-80s. And we kind of created a life from there. My uh, father, mother, and I, we traveled for a while and ended up in the southern portion of metro Atlanta in the late 80s. And that, Jay says, is where he spent the bulk of his childhood. From a business aspect, my father was the buy here, pay here, the car salesman, the car lot. And so, hence how they got the business in Lexington. They moved up uh, in the early 2000s. Um, from Atlanta, sold the business there and moved and just started the new business in Lexington. Lexington, North Carolina, a sleepy community built on textile and furniture manufacturing, but better known today for its barbecue. The Harveys named their new car lot Atlanta Car Company, which was a nod to their former city. To make this move even more appealing, Jay, his wife Amy, and their daughter Daisy already lived in the close-knit community. So they went from living a state away from each other to being next-door neighbors. 
and that had its benefits. She loved being a grandma, it sounds like. She did. Um, she very much enjoyed this one right here, and she enjoyed the time that they got to spend together. Despite their 40-year age difference, Daisy and Harvey were like best friends. From the silly cartwheels in the backyard to their standing dinner dates over Mexican food, the two were basically inseparable. She actually, um, the extra room in the house at the time, there was two, but one of them was, she was making it into my room so that when I wanted an escape, I could come over here. After Harvey's husband Larry died suddenly in 2010, she ran Atlanta Car Company alone. Daisy joined Harvey there most days after school. As a young girl, she loved seeing this side of her grandma, a real go-getter and so hardworking. I watched the business side of her a lot. I mean, I saw the fun-loving grandmother, of course, but the business side a lot because, like my dad said, it was you go, 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 and I did. And I'd go, she'd say, you can come up here and I'll feed you dinner, but you have to work. And so I would be the one that I'd help make the phone calls and things like that. She was a good businesswoman, but more importantly, Jay says, she was fair. I would say a used car dealer, especially a buy here, pay here type of organization, um, you know, they have a pretty, a pretty known rap as to, you know, con artist cheats and such. She was not that. She was that person that allowed people to get behind on their payments and allowed for them to flex and as long as you do what you tell me that you're going to do, we will work with you and she constantly worked with everybody. By the winter of 2013, Harvey was starting to settle into life without her beloved husband. Business was good. Life was good. She was actually venturing out after my father's passing for cruises and trips to Texas back to see family and friends. So. She was really starting to get into her new kind of way of life and who, who the new Nancy was. And to make things even better, Harvey had another grandbaby on the way. Jay and Amy were expecting, and according to Daisy, Grandma Nancy couldn't have been more thrilled. She loved her family. Um, I loved being able to watch her like get so excited to have a grandson, and it was... My favorite. She loved the idea of it. We were in what was supposed to be a pretty joyous time of finding out how long we were and when we were going to be able to schedule for our boy to be born and welcome to the family and ended up with the tragic news. The tragic news that Grandma Nancy was gone and in the most horrific way imaginable. On the morning of January 25, 2013, an employee arriving to work found Harvey's lifeless body inside her business. Investigators believe she was killed the night before. Her family would soon learn she'd been beaten, her ankles and wrists bound with zip ties, and her cause of death, asphyxiation. As a sixth grader, Daisy was suddenly forced to try to make sense of something her parents didn't even understand and the reality that she easily could have been there too. It's still just a scary thought that when I was 12, I had to realize that I had asked my mom, can I go there today? And the only reason I didn't go there the night before with her is because my mom didn't feel good. And I understood that because like my father said, she had a high risk pregnancy. So there was days she didn't feel good at all. and so. We went home, and that's the only reason I wasn't there. 
At nine months pregnant, Amy shifted her focus from the baby inside of her to her family reeling from their tragic loss. As a wife and a mother, when you can't do anything except beg the child to please stay inside of you, so that's not one more thing, um, it's excruciatingly painful. It did work for about a week. Amy went into labor with Harvey's grandson, the one whose arrival she was anxiously awaiting the day before they would say their final goodbyes at her funeral. And the main question we asked when him and I got to the hospital was, will I still make it to the funeral tomorrow? I have to be there. Um, after being assured I was, I said, okay, let's move along. Because, I mean, that's, that's how your mindset works in something like that was, you know you have to be at the funeral. It, it, it's something you, that wasn't an option to not be at. Um, to be there for both of them and the rest of her family that did come up from Texas. She had a large family, very large, um, and they all were here. And to not be able to answer any questions for anybody, for yourself, for anyone in the town, for the rest of the family, it, it's just, it's painful. And all these years later, those questions remain. Do you think that there's, there are people out there who know something who'd be able to help? I do. I mean, they've not brought anybody to justice for it, so that means that there is somebody out there that knows. I mean, because they did it. Um, whether that's a single individual or multiple individuals, it's all kind of speculation and such. But there is at least a person or more that were involved in this and I just you know plead with them to I'm surprised that their conscience has let them get them get along this long. Seven years has been way too long but we will honestly wait as long as it takes to get an answer. She deserves way more than that and she was just amazing and a force, and we need to know who did it. At the Davidson County Sheriff's Department, Captain Corey Mann says investigators want to know that too. Whenever we have a homicide like this where there are absolutely no witnesses other than the ones that committed the offense, those make it very difficult. In our next episode, we dive deeper into the investigation and explore the chilling piece of evidence that investigators are convinced holds the key to solving this case. Based on what I viewed and what's happened so far, it wasn't just a happenstance type crime. I mean, it was, it was a considerable thought went into this by someone, which, uh, you know, in many respects makes it more heinous what it could tell us about the people involved and why investigators chose to hold on to it for so long. Like I say, she was a very, very tough woman from everything we heard, and either whether she felt like she could handle it or whether she felt like it wasn't really a threat or if it was a fluke, we don't know. We never got to ask her. We're hoping you can help investigators. If you have any information, even the smallest detail can help, call this number, 336-242-2105. Your clue could help solve this crime. 
And if you like this podcast, please give it a five-star rating, comment on it, and share it with a friend. The more people who hear it, the more likely this murder can get solved. Who Killed Grandma Nancy is a Fox 8 WGHP production written and produced by me, Katie Nordine. Our editor and co-producer is Chris Weaver, and Kevin Daniels is our executive producer. 